This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! They all blow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. Our introductory show tonight features our Grindhouse Pizzeria which is dedicated to all things grindhouse and exploitation. Whether it's extra cheesy or loaded with meat, you'll always get a belly full of hot, nasty goodness. Come on in, pull up a chair and grab you a slice. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play this theater. This picture truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. We urgently recommend that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium for the next 90 seconds. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration's Grindhouse Pizzeria, where we invite you to come in, sit down, and have a slice of cheesy, meaty, ooey, gooey goodness. Uh, and this evening we are bringing you, uh, well, I always say we're bringing you something special, but we are truly bringing you something special tonight. We are talking about the Herschel Gordon Lewis directed the gore epic 1963's Blood Feast. And, you know, there's nothing more Grindhouse than some Herschel Gordon Lewis. And joining me, as always, my faithful co-host and cohort in crime, Tom Commissar. How we doing tonight, Hello. Tom? We're doing great. Hello, America. Have some pizza. <laughs> <laughs> we we highly recommend that you enjoy this show with a beer, a spliff, if you partake, and a nice slice of pizza. Or a meatball, like a big bloody looking meatball sub <laughs> something uh, with red sauce yeah. red sauce all over it yeah red sauce dripping all over the place because this this movie it's got plenty of the red sauce it's got plenty of the red red gooeyness uh let's go ahead and start right off into it i'll give you folks the imdb synopsis which is as follows an Egyptian caterer kills various women in suburban Miami to use their body parts to bring life a dormant Egyptian goddess, while an inept police detective tries to track him down. And that is probably the most on-point <laughs> right. IMDb synopsis, because 
it, it tells you everything that it's about, especially about the in-depth police detective. We'll get into that a little in a little bit more detail as we go along. But God, the cops in this movie—they are some of the most inept police officers in the game. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty funny. <sighs> but yeah, this movie was pretty shocking. I mean, for 1963, I mean, released three years after Psycho, which. You you know, there's a little little bit of Psycho in this movie. I think, you know, it's, it's a, a very bloody version of Psycho. It's a, it's a slasher with everything that we come to know and love in the late 70s, early 80s, but 1963. You know, not many films were being shot in color in 63. So they went the more expensive route, Herschel Gordon-Lewis did, and shot this in color because I think it would have been... It would have been ashamed to, for this movie to be in black and white as much as the good red stuff that's in it. Oh, absolutely. That's one thing about this movie. And yeah, he was he was influenced by Psycho. And of course, he could do what Hitchcock couldn't do is, you know, he you know, he could take it as far as he wanted to go. But, you know, it wasn't it may and even though it was a success, obviously Hitchcock, you know. And that being more of a mainstream film, I'm sure Alfred Hitchcock could have done some pretty gory shit too. <laughs> if he wanted to, it would have been pretty amazing. But oh, if he wanted to, he he probably probably would have. Uh, right, but Herschel Gordon Lewis, man, I'll tell you what, this, this fucking movie, um, I, I it's one of those where it's like, it's like, it 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 just had to exist. I mean, because he 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 opened the door for shit. That I mean, think about it. We watch it nowadays. Like I, I don't remember when I first saw this. Um, I really don't on VHS. I can't remember, but I remember. I remember the first time I saw this. And even though, like, you know, you're watching this thing, and and you're you're, you're used to seeing lots of gore and different things, and you've seen a lot of stuff. But well, think especially about, nowadays, right? But think about 1963. Like movies you know, didn't do this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, they had, you know, there's whatever, you know, there's people filming stuff on eight millimeter and doing nasty stuff, but you didn't see this, this, a movie like this didn't exist. And it, you know, no. 1963, when you saw it in the theater, people must've shit their fucking drawers. And I can't because, imagine seeing this like right up, like in in the beginning, you know, like uh, being around in '63 to see, it. I can't imagine what some of these people, you know, what I mean, because it was done as a grindhouse, you know, drive-in exploitation movie. It it was right. specifically made to be that way. But I, ma- I can't imagine what they thought in '63 seeing this. You know, really, it didn't become the norm or become more widespread and and kind of accepted to show this kind of blood and gore to at least a good decade later. Well, you know, it just shows how smart, you know, how smart this guy was, what a genius he was. And, you know, and his partner, David F. Friedman, you know, but I mean, at, but being led by Herschel Gordon Lewis and this, the whole thing, like you look at the poster, you know, nothing so appalling in the annals of horror. And then the, that girl, you know, like, you know, laying there and that fucking crazy fucking foud Ramsey's, the dude standing there, and then you got the fucking blood feast, and then you've got, uh, you know, then you got a little picture of this, the little cutie pie star they got, man, which is, you know, Connie Mason, who is a Playboy pinup uh, in, of 63. She was the centerfold, and it's like, so he gets her in there, 
You know, and he's just like he's just like got it all lined up with the stuff that we've all stolen today. You know, get the cool thing, yeah. like you know, like you know the stuff that he you know he came up with this stuff. Okay, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. get these hot looking women. I'm getting not only am I getting even if she can't act, I don't care. I'm getting you know <laughs> I'm getting the Playboy a, Playmate centerfold. You know, from '63, like you know, you know, like not some a woman that you know maybe past her prime or. Or like whatever, who's still cool and all. Like she gets a, somebody that's currently in Playboy, which itself, you know, in '63 would have been like, you know, whoa, you know, it wasn't, you know, you know, as far as, you know, nudies and stuff, and and you know, sewing sewing nudity in magazines and stuff. That was still like young, the you know, young times for that to be out there. And so he gets that on the poster, and it's like, so he comes up with this, you know, cool idea. And it's very, you know, it's just kind of a simple idea. I, I like the way the movie, when you first put it on, uh, we got some other things I want to talk about, like the music and stuff, but it's just like oh, it yeah. just starts well, the, out. The first note, the first note I have is about the music. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, he starts out like when it goes into it and you're, and, you know, you're just hearing this drum, this boom, 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 boom. But it almost sounds like a old gladiator movie from the fifties, like boom, boom, boom. Right. Boom. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt, you uh, guys to be like marching, to, like go going into right. battle and shit. Yeah, some dude walking in, you know, with his shirt off, all buff, and you know they're getting ready to fight, and it's just like, but it just goes right in. It just goes right into this home, and this like this blonde lady, very attractive woman, comes. She looks like she's you know got a nice dress, like she getting off of work or whatever and she's coming home to her suburban little house and you know she walks in and basically just goes right into it there's not a bunch of bullshit she walks in she's getting ready to take a bath and it's really cool they just kind of set it up like the first thing you're wondering like okay what's going on here she turns on this little like transistor radio and you hear a voice you know uh, that's all, you know, special news bulletin, you know, and it goes into the thing about they're finding, you know, a young girl was found. And, of course, and it's cool because, right. you know, it's, it's, Herschel Gordon Lewis, it's Herschel Gordon Lewis actually talking. It's his voice on the radio. Really? Now, yeah, I, that's I, did, I did some studying up on some um, some trivia and whatnot, but I did not know that. I did make a note <laughs> about the, the radio announcer, uh, you know, talking about how there's been bodies being found found for weeks and whatnot but i did not i did not know that was him nice nice so um yeah so it's really cool she goes and she listens to a little bit of it and she's you know she's put on you know like oh you know like you could tell she's kind of like oh and she just turns it off like okay and then it just goes right to you know she takes off your clothes she's like in her bra and like you know her panties you know the panty styles of that style you know of that day and she's standing there, and she's like, you know, it's nothing too crazy. But and she walks in, and you know, she's gonna take the her bubble bath, and they, you know, they do it where obviously those days maybe could show like what they maybe wanted to show, but she undresses, and then they got like the soap put just right where you don't sew too much, but it's enough, you know. And you're like, oh, wow, right, right, where you kind of cover up all the naughty bits with some uh, bubble right. bath stuff. <laughs> But it's super, you know, hot. You know, you're like, oh, look at her. You know, and for 63, I bet a lot of people were like, whoa, you know. And uh, so she's sitting there in the tub, you know, and uh, it doesn't take long. All of a sudden, you kind of see a, like a shadow. 
And then she lets out the fucking just blood curdling scream. And then the cuts to our guy, man. Our man, our man, our machete man, Mal, Mal Arnold is, is the plays. Fa I, I, I'm not sure how to exactly say it. Faud, Faud, F U A D, Ramses. Fuad, that's Fuad, yeah, Fuad Ramses. Fuad Ramses. Got, and he's a guy, and he's the, got a. The second note I have, the second note I have, other than the, the music, the really simplistic drum beat that is just haunting. But the second note I have is craziest eyebrows ever committed to celluloid. Yeah, well, what, <laughs> in that thing when they first show him, uh, it's 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 yeah, he's terrifying to look at. You know, it's not like he's some grotesque guy with you know, horns growing out of his nose, you know, it's like, it's just, a, it's, a, it's a guy, you know, and he's got, the, but he's got crazy eyes and crazy eyebrows and weird hair yeah, and just very got, odd looking. I think, I think it's the painted on eyebrows that make him look even scarier. It's like, it's really creepy. They, they, it's almost like a gray, like a wax, like a paint, like a grease paint. And they've got it in his hair too. Like he's probably like, he's just a regular dark haired guy, but they've got this gray, like makeup in his hair and it looks really weird and he's yeah he's creepy as fuck so he's got this weird well, I look think, you know he was probably you know he was probably in his 40s or so i would imagine you know or, or 30s when he shot this but he always kind of talks about like there's some dialogue later where he's like i'm just an old man humor an old man make an old man happy you yeah. know but he could he could have been more than 30 35 i would imagine when he <laughs> shot this but yeah, I don't think he was that. I mean, they tried to make him look older, obviously, but yeah, I don't think he was that old. But what they did do is make him look scary as fuck. He's scary, you know. He's like, you know, and he's in a suit, so he's like, he looks like a guy like just, you know, he looks like a guy that can run a catering <laughs> business, you know. And uh, and so yeah, he's, he kind of looks like an extra from Reservoir Dogs with that suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. So all of a sudden, you know, they do the thing where they, you know, you see him go down and. And he, and then you see the knife, like as he picks it back up, and he's looking at the knife, like, <laughs> and like you know, it's like, and now they've got the creepiest fucking organ, like an organ, like an old electric organ, like like everybody's probably had in their house back then, you know, oh, grand, yeah. grandma would sing church hymns on or something. It was like, <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> it's the creepiest organ music, and it makes it even fucking weirder because it, it, it's like weird enough. And then they show the lady, the poor lady, her head is back on the tub, like kind of to the side, but it's uh, she's looking up, but like he is like jabbed the knife into her eye socket. Now, this is the thing that I have always said. A lot of movies, sometimes the blood just doesn't look right. Like it just doesn't, it's too dark or it looks too orange. Yeah, it's look. the wrong kind of consistency. Yeah. Man, this looks like red paint. From fucking like like this the this is the most beautiful color red like you've ever seen. It's like you look at it and like I don't know if it's just because of the, the film stock the way it looks, but it is this most brilliant. The colors I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just one of those movies where like everything the tub is like green, I think green or blue, and then she's you know, and then you got this like bright red paint type shit all like poured over her eye socket you're like it's horrifying you know it's just like it's just run down her face and it's just there and then you know that's if that's if that's not bad enough then he goes he, you know we find out why he's doing this 
then a little bit later. Well, then one goes, thing we got to mention is the bu- the book that she sits down to read. It says "Ancient Weird Religious Rites." Yeah, <laughs> which is also very oddly uh, foreshadowing. Yeah, right. Exactly, and that's that's definitely a clue that keeps coming up. And uh, and uh, yeah, you're correct. Yeah, she's got this book, and there's a connection. Um, he goes down, and this is a pretty good effect, man. You know, he like takes the knife, and he like he's already like cut it into it, and he's removing it out of the tub, and he's cut out her leg off, and then you just see like mm-hmm. you know the way they got her knee bent, and then they've got something coming out a little bit, so it looks like you know, and he just removes, he just removing her leg. I mean, that's yeah, I mean it looks very, very real. That's the one thing about a Herschel Gordon Lewis was uh, a certain sense of kind of realism with the gore, or like almost over the top kind of realism. If that, I, I know that's yeah. like almost an oxymoron in and of itself to say over the top realism, but it's yeah, it's hyper realistic. I guess is a good way of putting it. Yeah, well, and it's cool because the way he films it and, you know, and showing the guy from behind, like, you know, the hacking motions and stuff. And it looks, yeah, it's legit, you know. So he pulls his leg out and then, you know, and it's just like, and then he, you know, he puts it in the bag and, you know, and then next thing you know, bing bong, uh, cuts to, we're at the police station the next day. Oh, with the two most inept police officers. (laughs) They're like straight out of a, like an Ed Wood movie, man. Yeah, these guys are Ed Wood. Like, excuse me, these guys are definitely Ed Wood material. This is this is funny. I mean, Ed, Ed Wood would like hire these guys in a second, right? I forgot the, his uh, name, uh, detect, Detective Bill. Uh, not no, no, uh, Bill Kerwin is the actor, he plays Detective Pete Thornton. Right, right, yeah. He's Pete Yeah, he, he is so wooden. So wooden. Like, it's so, so bad, you know. I mean, he passed away in 89, so, you know, rest in peace. But right. he was, uh, yeah, he was not not really any good. He was also uh, one of the stars of uh, another Herschel Gordon-Lewis movie, 2000 Maniacs. Yeah. You know, so he, he, he was, he was no, no stranger to this kind of stuff. So basically, him and his partner, they kind of go. It's a, it's a, it's basically kind of like you know they're they're kind of talking about what's going on and you know and like, you know like ah ah you know, looks like this is gonna be a case is gonna be long and hard you know like you know, say, <laughs> you know like you know uh, poor choice of words on their part right you know <laughs> you know and uh, it's just a bunch of it's just a bunch of cornball lines being delivered by you know just cornball delivery and it's but it's funny i mean you, you watch them and you're like all right you know i mean it, it goes along with the movie it's cool i think it's i i, I get a kick oh, out yeah. of it it's highly it. entertaining it, it's not you know it's not good acting at all but it's still entertaining right oh it's totally done yeah absolutely now we bust to the next scene which really sets it up we see a sign it says uh it says uh uh, Fuad Ramsey's and says exotic catering, and so now we're set up. We're like, okay, so, so this is we don't know what's going on yet, but okay, so we sh- yeah, and Mrs. Lady- uh, that's what the, isn't that the scene where Mrs. Fremont comes in and says she's uh, when she's throwing a party for her daughter Suzette, right? She's a, she's a socialite, you know. You could tell she's got 
she's really you know in the community uh, up up the up standing citizen and all everything's prim and proper and she's going to have this party the party the best party she's ever had so she's talking to uh mr ramses and wants to do this thing uh where it's something really special so that's where he comes in he starts explaining to him and he has his cool line that i always remember he just kind of looks at her and he's he's pretty wooden himself to be honest with you when he starts talking and uh it's pretty funny i mean they're both pretty stiff but but I like it. He look, you know, he's because he's still creepy looking, even though he's not killing somebody. He's talking to her, you know, and he's like, you know, and of course, you know, that's the killer, of course, because we've seen. Oh him. yeah. And she leans in, like, "Have you ever had an an Egyptian feast?" As he like, you know, <laughs> gets real close to her, and she's like, "Why? Why no? That sounds wonderful." You know, and it's like she just doesn't, you know, and he's like, "This, this is a special." This is a special meal, a feast that hasn't been prepared in 5,000 years. You know, oh, that would be, that sounds lovely. You know, and, and, and well, so, you and know. And I almost get the idea that he almost put her into a trance the way he's talking to her and he stares at her. She well, almost falls like under a trance of some sort, you know, when he's speaking to her. Right. Well, when he's explaining about the Egyptian goddess and all this whole thing, and he's kind of setting up. They show, they zoom in on his eyes, and then they zoom in on her, and then her speech kind of goes like, "Oh yeah, so yeah, that's so yeah." There's that. She's definitely for a moment. He's she's under his spell, and then and then she kind of snaps out of it, you know. And uh, and uh, so basically, she gives him a card, her address on it, and says, two weeks from this Saturday," you know. So he's gonna he's gonna cook the meal, and it's gonna be an Egyptian feast, and she's happy, and she leaves. And this is when we first kind of see his evil lair. Um, he goes into the back. And the lair, the lair is bigger than his shop, man, for crying out loud. <laughs> so he goes in, he pulls this curtain back or something. He goes through a door. He's got a little thing in there. And uh, he goes inside and he's got like this, like a big, huge statue that he unveils. And it's this gold statue of the Egyptian goddess Ishtar. And basically what he needs to do, he's preparing a blood feast. Um, this is basically where he's, we find out that he's collecting, like he kills these girls, but he doesn't like take the whole body. He's taking parts because he's going to take a part from this girl. He's going to take a part. Yeah. And so all these victims are very specific creating. parts from each victim. It's right. like every victim is a specific part. He's not just taking a leg from each one. One, he takes an eye, then another. He takes their brains, right. you know. Yeah, it's very specific, right? And it's basically, I mean, it's the recipe for this uh, this blood feast that he's preparing. Who basically his goal? He wants to resurrect uh, uh, Ishtar, the Egyptian goddess. That's that's where he's going with this. So under the guise of a Egyptian feast, he's going to use that to kind of get what he needs from from the daughter, her daughter, or whatever he's going to need for his thing. Uh, to finish it up. So this is where all these poor women are getting pulled into this because it's the bottom line is he wants Ishtar to come back to life and be resurrected. So now we cut to the next scene of our youngins, Tony and Marcy. Oh, yeah. Each. They're making out young, young little kids, the teenies, teeny boppers, and they're kissing and, you know. Yeah, and, and, those poor kids. Uh, I mean, I, I feel more sorry for Marcy 
than I do for Tony because, well, hey, Tony makes it. He lives. He just gets wounded right. and knocked out. But like Marcy, you know, they everybody knows that there's murders been happening. Everybody right. knows that you know that there's been a murdering spree and girls have been getting killed. But he's like, oh, honey, I'll protect you. And the next note I have is that uh, Tony did a real shit job as of protecting Marcy right. on the beach. Because he's like I won't let anything happen to you, dear. She wanted to leave, you know, and it, it pretty much happens right away. Um, uh, Fuad uh, um, shows up. He's got a big machete in his hand, and he gets busy. He basically smacks Tony in the head. I don't know if he hits him and cuts him, but he he basically knocks Tony out. And then poor Marcy, she screams. He gets a hold of her, and he basically cuts the top of her head off and takes her, removes her brain, and then they show a shot of. <laughs> Fuad holding uh, like a brain type thing. It looks like just some sort of an organ with a bunch of blood dripping through his fingers. And they, to me, it looked like real brains. I thought they might have used. I'd, I'd have to dig a little bit to find out. No pun intended. But uh, you know, I bet you they probably use like calf brains or pig brains or something like that. I'd be willing to bet they did. But most of those <laughs> brains ended up on the on the sand. He was very like <laughs> very messy. Right. It was definitely <laughs> messy. And, uh, of course, she's laying there, and they do a pretty good shot where you kind of see her up above looking down, and then they do one from looking at the top of her head, and she's laying on her back. And then, of course, more creepy organ music that just makes it creepy as fucking balls, man. It's it's fucking creepy. Yeah. It's weird. The if music you this movie, you're going to fucking agree, man. You're going to like, man, this is weird. And uh, Well, you know, the, the, the drum beats, those simplistic, you know, drum beats and the organ stuff, it's very simplistic, but like super effective. Super duper oh, yeah. effective. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it really, it's just, it's weird. And that, oh, by the way, that's, uh, that's Herschel Gordon Lewis. Uh, he did the, uh, he made, he did that. That's his soundtrack work. No. So, uh, so that's it. No, I got I, I got I got to ask one question. Do you have any idea what the fuck the snake was about? The snake that's nearby, was, like the, on the beach with the that. brains. They show a close up of like blood on the sand, and it's just, and then all of a sudden you see this rather large snake just kind of there, and then he kind of slithers off, and I'm like, I'm thinking it maybe it's symbolic because later on when they have that flashback of that. Egyptian prince, they show him holding a snake. Maybe this is supposed to be Herschel's thinking of something symbolic to have in there from Egyptian. Like maybe it's just there because it's not really explained. And it's kind of like, why is a snake on the beach? You know, it, like what's, what's he doing there? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah it's just, like, it was just kind of there. Maybe it was just supposed to be subliminal. Yeah, you know, I don't know. But, but it's funny. They, so, so Paul Morris, he's dead. They cut back to our, are amazing cops, and uh, <laughs> they're, they're questioning Tony. Now he's already been—he's still on the beach, like she's like in a body bag or something. They got her covered up, and <laughs> Tony's funny as shit. I love it because you know he's like, "Oh no, she just wanted to go." Oh no, you know, he's, he's doing his best. He's doing his best. They got a—they got a bandage around his head, but it's funny because he's like. They're like, well, can you tell us what you saw? And then I love it because he's like, I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't see anything. And then it's funny. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's, 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 
It's cool, man. It, I, I think they were just I, trying to give you the idea that he was traumatized, but I, you know, it was the best that he could do. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was. I just love. It. I thought it was, I, I got a kick out of it. I, I think. Oh, it's me fun. too. Me too. And, uh, so, and, uh, and so anyway, so our our guys, our crack detectives, are trying to figure this out, and they're trying to get some shit out of it. So they go back, and then there's another scene in the in the police station in the office. Now we're back with Marcy's mother and I guess his dad. And they're trying to question her. And of course, the poor mother's distraught. And she's and she's crying, you know. I made her a white dress and she'll never wear it. And it's like <laughs> But you know, it's kinda of like when you kinda of like, oh that, like that might be something a mom would say, like she made a dress and then for her and then she'll never you know, it's kinda of like, oh yeah, it's kinda of, I remember like that. I was like, oh that's kinda of, yeah. I mean, you know, and so she's she home. Yeah, it's like, well, that would be kind of sad. Like, you know, she made a dress for her daughter. So even though it's kind of cornball, it's kind of like you could feel for the mom. I did anyway. And uh, so they're basically trying to get some stuff, like trying to figure out, you know, like what happened, you know. And and then she, the, the mom right there kind of slips one one out. And she goes that, or uh, oh, you know, she's just a good girl. She belonged to, she's something about belonging to a book club. And that, and that kind of like Pete kind of remembers something about, the book a book and they're noticing it's they're starting to put two and two together they don't quite get it but there's like okay. no they never do i mean when they finally do that it's way too late right way 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 too late so then we kind of go from that now we're next day is daytime and uh uh they show it's like a cool shot looking down on i think it's i don't like a cadillac or something it's a real nice convertible like a big car from back then, you know, the big, huge ass fucking. Oh, the big old sedans. Yeah. Big old sedans. And it's this guy with like a sailor cap on and like a Thurston Howell cap on, you know, and he's got a, you know, and then he's got this really very beautiful blonde girl with him. I don't know if it's his wife or not, but they're, they, they show up like at a motel. And I don't know, you may not know this, but I remember this song. That thing that you're hearing, the horn, it's like, you know, in that scene. Yeah, I remember that. I don't know what it's from, but yeah. The song is called How Dry I Am. It's an old song. It's like, how dry I am. Nobody knows. Nobody seems to give a damn. And it's about just somebody being fucking drunk or something. I don't know. It's like some weird song that my dad knew years ago and it was like so that song is that that tune that that but even though it's being played badly on purpose it's supposed to be like because they're all drunk you know and he's right right that's what that song is i remember the first like oh that's how dry i am (laughs) anyway whatever i just throwing that in there the following scene after he drops her off at the hotel is what I remember this movie from or what I remember this movie about, because I remember seeing it like way back in the day. And I, I might've seen a horror movie documentary. I can't remember the name of it where I saw this scene first, where he pulls really uh, Fuad comes around, breaks into the room and like pulls a woman's tongue out with his bare hands, which is yeah. this obscenely like grotesque, the long set- tongue. The setup on this is, is really cool because basically drunk guy goes up the steps. He takes her up there. 
he's kissing her, they're kissing, and then they go to a room, but she's not, he's not going inside. He gives her a kiss, kind of comes to the doorway, and she kind of shoes him away, and he kind of stumbles off. Well, our man Fuad is kind of like lurking around the hallway outside. It's like an outdoor, like, hotel. And he's outside, and he looks around the corner. Now he comes creeping up. He's got this, like, limpy side foot that's turned sideways, and he's kind of limping. <laughs> I, call, I call it the Kaiser Soze limp. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, soon to be the Tom Commissar limp, you know, with my foot, you know, with the foot <laughs> the side, and I'll be all, Now, now <sighs> did you notice, though, at one point, I don't know if they were reverse negatives or if it was just another cause of bad acting, but his limp changes from one foot to the other. Oh no, I did not know that. I didn't see that. Oh, later, cool. later on, when they're in the foot chase through the desert and they're chasing food and the cops are chasing food, I swear, and maybe I'm just wrong, and maybe I observed it wrong, but his limp changes from one leg to the other. I just, wouldn't have that at all, man. Just like, <laughs> I mean, like accidentally, uh, you know, you could see Herschel going, "Use the other leg." You know, <laughs> and, uh, and but so, but this this scene is to me, it, it's the it's the scene to me. This kill, like you're saying, it strikes a chord. So he comes up, he knocks on the door, she opens it up, and and he basically, uh, I think she'd already removed her blouse and she was just in a bra, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, he he basically just charges in and she screams like this real blood curling scream he throws her down on the bed kind of topples on top of her and he, it's not a sexual assault he's just on top of her he's got he's come to get what he wants he's coming to get her tongue he's immediately got his two fingers in her mouth and what's creepy about it because her hair is really done up nice and she's like really pretty but it's weird because she's like and he's got his fingers down in there trying to get her tongue out like making this in and and then like her eyes are crossing, so it's like yeah. it's creepy looking. And then that fucking organ comes back in that organ music, and it's like, oh, this is so fucking creepy. It's so weird. And he's in there like, and so he finally, you know, she's like trying to fight him off, and you know he's overpowering her, and he's got the fingers in the mouth. And then they do it. They pull. They show the shot where. It's it's you don't see her face yet, but you just see him pulling up on this massive tongue. It looks like they got a tongue from a fucking calf or something. It's long. It's like it's longer than a way I longer. I remember reading somewhere that it was like a, a calf's tongue or a sheep's tongue. I think. Yeah, well, they got that, and they're pulling it up, and it's bloody, and it looks just beautiful. It's gorgeous, and just like it's just nasty. You know, it's like oh my god. And then they go to the shot of her. This poor woman. It's fucking, it's so good. That beautiful red blood. It's all over her face. And they've got it in her mouth because she's really, she's really smart on this. She, her head kind of tilts to the side and you can see like the, it's kind of like splashing out of her mouth and like running down. Like it's, she's got blood all over her mouth and it's, and the blood is just kind of now running out of her mouth onto the, her face onto the bed. Like it's just running out. And, is it, yeah, it's done really well. I was looking for, like, I was looking at it closely this time to see, like, okay, can I see, like, her tongue, inside, her real tongue inside her mouth or something? But it, it's really a great angle because you can't, yeah, you can't see, you can't it. see it. it. And so she's that, she's got enough of that fluid, that blood in her mouth 
where she turns just enough where it's going to drip out without her, like, you know, using her tongue to help it. You know, it's like, it's like mm-hmm. her tongue. She's got to press down in there. You can't see it. And she does a great job. It's a creep. If you, anybody like looked up this movie and it hasn't seen it before, if you look on the images, like if you Google it or whatever, and you'll see that, see the, the still shots of that, of her are just horrifying. But it's beautiful though, but it's horrifying because it's just, it's, you know, that blood is so blood, you know, it's so red. But yeah, it but, is. Uh... And, and it's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful shots. And, and, uh, you know, it's, 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 to me, it's the favorite, my favorite kill. I, I, I just think it's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. the, the kill that makes me remember this movie. It's, yeah. it's the one that, that struck me. And yeah. Like and out of all his movies, out of like two thousand maniacs or scum of the earth or anything, you know, even monster or go go and gruesome twosome and shit like that, this is the most memorable death. It's by far. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent. It it it's totally got it that's yeah, that's when I think of this movie, that scene and, and her face and her eyes crossed. That looks fucking creepy too. That reminds me. I remember in in in, in when you see Alfred Hitchcock Frenzy when the mm-hmm. next strangler rapes the, the the secretary and like and then like when they discover her body and her tongue sticking out of her mouth with the necktie around her neck and her eyes are crossed. I remember that. I was like, oh, that just like is so creepy. And this this is the same. It just looks so weird. Her eyes are all like just you know this actress played that really well. And it just said that, yeah, I mean, all these years later, I mean, you and I are still remembering that scene and it, and it makes us think of the movie. And that was just wonderful filmmaking right there. Yeah. That I mean, great... here we are talking about it almost 60 years later. Um, so now we got, um, I think, oh, yeah. Uh, so old well, Pete think... still investigating, right? And they get that they discover um, that uh, the latest murder victim, you, they belong to a they fi- they figure out that they belong to a book club, and they're starting right. to put two and two together. Well, that's when pe- they sh- they actually show the book club, which yeah. which I I had a thing like why does such a small town have a group meetings and book clubs about Egyptian cults anyway? Like and the and the next note I had is like the professor or the guy officiating this book club, he looks like fucking Walt Disney. He looks just like Walt Disney. He he does. He's got glass. He's got glasses on. It. He, but yeah, he looks like yeah, he does. He does. Looks look like, like Walt him. Disney, right down to the little pencil thin mustache. <laughs> well, he's basically it's it's a good way to set up like what's going on with the book and the Egyptian stuff. So it's a good way to you know kind of exposition, but not you know it's like it's information. And uh, so Pete's there uh, attends. He's attending his the the class that he goes to, and of course his girlfriend. Um, happens to be Suzette. Suzette is uh, the daughter um, who's going to have the big Egyptian feast. And um, so that's just a coincidence or not. And uh, they start talking about the cult leader. And this is when they get to do like a cool little uh, flashback. Um, This is where they do the flashback, right? Where they go back and he's explaining what the, yeah. the blood feast uh, ceremony is. Yeah, and, and they show like the the little the short little flashback to Egyptian times. Yeah, ancient Egyptian times. They've got this beautiful woman lying like on an altar, and it doesn't look she doesn't look really scared. She doesn't really think 
probably doesn't know what's going on. And then they show that she uh, looks to me. She looked like resigned to her fate, just like 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 it was another day at the office. Just like huh, okay, this this is just the day I die. <laughs> this is the day I get sacrificed. Yeah, you know, just another what's, Tuesday. What sacrifice mean? Nobody told me what that means. What am I getting sacrificed? What is it? So anyway. The, the guy comes out, the ancient dude, I don't know, he's like a prince or whatever the heck he is. But uh, he comes out, and he's got the same painted on eyebrows as Fuad. Kind of even looks like a young version of him. And he's, dre he's dressed like an Egyptian, uh, that kind of dress, you know, and it looks, you know, pretty cool. And he goes in there, and the girl's just kind of looking up at him, like, what's going on? And she, he jabs the knife down into her chest. And then this cool, more of that cool blood. Um, at, at, it's, we're seeing this as this Egyptian, uh, this this guy, this lecturer is telling the story. And um, uh, did, you, did you fall over? You okay? Oh, I, 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 I knocked kidding. over my... Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, knocked, I, I knocked over something on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap sound effects, folks. <laughs> when I, I drop my cane, I go, what the clock? And I got to bend over and get it. So anyway, uh, so they're uh, so then they show like a close up. He's cutting out the heart, and then you see like like it's a pretty cool looking effect. He's he's like pulling this thing out of her chest, and it's it looks you know it's a heart. So they go they go now, back like, and it, the effects the effects does look good. The blood looks good, but the one problem I had with it just a little bit was that heart was way too small. It was oh, yeah. way way like. It didn't satisfy my sense of proportion at all. It didn't look like you know. a large human heart. Yeah, I agree with you there. It was pretty tiny. Yeah. Not that but I know was... like what heart hearts look like or nothing, you know. <laughs> but it looked cool the way they're pulling it out. I was like, that that looks that looks pretty legit, you know. Oh, pretty yeah, cool. yeah. So uh, basically, when uh, and then it it kind of does that. He's holding the snake and the whole deal, and and it kind of goes back to now, you know. You know you know, modern, you know, time back to where we, the lecturer is still telling his story. Uh, the lecture's over, and then Pete, uh, they're talking about, you know, like, he's looking to, like, kind of get with Suzette, and he's going to give her a ride home. Uh, you know, she wants to get home because her mom is worried when she's out. So they've done the lecture. He's going to take her out. Uh, basically, he takes her down to where the you know, down by the ocean or a lake or a little yacht area where there's like ocean water and like a little place, you know, where lovers go to make out and neck, I guess. I don't know. Well, isn't it supposed to be taking place like outside of Miami? So I imagine it's just yeah. the beach or somewhere. The beach. But, you know, somewhere you can drive up. He drives up to the water and it's like a probably mm. a little hangout where we can just pull over. So he kind of gets her down there and uh, he <laughs> wants to quote unquote and, you know, he basically wants to get a kiss and and they're talking, and she's playing a little coy, and like, oh, you know. And they finally, they're kind of necking a little bit, and he gets, you know, and and uh, and having a little 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 moment there. And then the car radio comes on, and it's uh, Herschel. I think it's uh, I think it's the same boys. And they're talking about they found another body. Uh, they this victim um, was uh, this victim was near, she's not dead yet, but she's near death. So he's like, ah, you know, I'm going to have to go check in on this. We got to go. So, you know, he drives her back home. He takes Suzette back home and, 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 and he goes to the hospital. And when they get there, uh, the maniac is struck again and hacked off this poor woman's face. And it was a woman named Janet Blake.
And, yeah. and so they get there and the woman is completely wrapped up. You can't see her face except for her eyes and her mouth and the nose where she could breathe. You can't see her at all, but you're to believe that her face was half hacked off, um, not like half of her face. So she's there and she's like almost, you know, like about ready to go. And they're questioning her and they're asking, hey, you know, is there anything? And she explains that, uh, you know, he was an old guy, you know, wild with wild eyes. They always say he's got wild eyes, which is Which he does. He does. And then and then she says and then he says something. And then he said something like Etar, Etar or something. And so then she dies. And then Pete, like Etar, Etar. So now he's starting to think like, huh? And so uh, he's starting to put two and two together. He's he his wheels turn very slow, but he he he's starting to put the picture together a little bit, not not, not greatly or at any kind of breakneck speed, but very slowly, if anything. Right. Now we're back with Fuad, and he's he's reading a letter, and they show the letter. If you want to read it, you have to freeze frame it and read it, unless you read fast, which I don't. Uh, no, no, I do not. <laughs> a lady, there's a lady named Trudy who's requesting a copy of that book that we saw earlier from the first lady. If you if you look at the word they're wording on it, the very strangely titled "Ancient Weird Religious Rites," and it's written by our man Fuad Ramses. And uh, so, anyway, she's requesting uh, uh, gives her address that she'll pay COD cash on delivery. And uh, and they got her phone number and all that stuff, and uh, I think uh, oh yeah, I think she find that's where he finds out that Trudy's actually staying with Suzette. Yeah, they're friends, oh, and then because isn't it following the, after that that they they're having kind of like a not so much a pool party but a, like a pool yeah, frolic like, day of frolicking like, or something. It's like Suzette and two of her friends, Trudy is one of them, very young. Uh, very pretty ladies are just kind of in their bikinis, just kind of frolicking in the water and swimming around, having a good time. And then, so there's actually a kind of a funny scene where Suzette is kind of up, up, up on the side of the pool, kind of laying down on her stomach. If I think so, I think she's on her stomach. And yeah. Fuad thinks he's going to like kind of creep up on these three women. And you in just broad see daylight, it, <laughs> like this creepy guy in a fucking suit, you know, just you know by the pool, and they show like the shadow of a hand, and then all of a sudden she looks, and then the hand dis- the shadow disappears, like he like whatever he was gonna do, he just decided to duck down. They don't show that other than the shadow, so he decides. I guess they, I think they show him jumping over a fence or something. But he decides to to to, to just kind of hang out and not do anything right there. So, uh, yeah, it's the first time you see him attempt, kind of like attempt something and then just abandon it, like right off the bat, like, but he didn't leave. He's kind of hanging out and, um, he, uh, he's kind of just there and, but they're paying more attention to the girls and they're kind of talking, Oh, gee, I can't wait to the party. It's going to be, we're going to have so much fun. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Trudy decides she's going to have to, she's going to have to, uh, uh, well, she's going to go home or something. She's got to go get dressed or some deal. Yeah, I can't remember where she was going, but she was taken off. And that's where uh, so Fuad pops up out of the bushes. <laughs> right, right. So she puts her shoes on, and then they cut. The, the other two girls are just kind of toweling off in the back. 
And now we're in a, we're in a, like a suburban neighborhood. You know, there's not really any place to hide. There's just lawns and nice, beautiful suburban, you know, houses. And broad yeah, daylight. it's all very wide open and a completely well, broad daylight. Because the next note I have is, how the fuck does Fuad keep getting away with murders in broad di- broad but, daylight? I'm like, oh yeah, nobody pays any attention and inept cops. Right. <laughs> well, it's funny she. Um, she she like leaves the party and so she's walking through the front. I don't know if she's walking home or to her car. I don't remember, but she's walking right basically right out in front of this house, uh, Suzette's house, the Fremonts. And next thing you know, Fuad's there. A man, Fuad, the guy with the limp, he just comes creeping up on her real quick, and he hits her. What I don't know if he hit her with the the machete or he hit he does something and knocks her to the ground and he kind of knocks her out. And then he picks her up, and he, he walks off. And now, so he's got her. So he didn't kill her right there. Yeah, he and kidnaps he, this one. He kidnaps her. And 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 uh, so, just when they go to, we're back at Fuad's place, isn't it? Where he's got he's got uh, Trudy tied up. Yeah, and he's he's, got, he, he's whipping her. He, he's right. like kind of off, right. offering her as like a right not so much wants- a sacrifice, but he's just torturing her for Ishtar. Well, he's got these pots, and he needs blood. So instead of just cutting her and getting right. blood, he's whipping her. Heck, he's, I'm, I'm going to whip the blood out of you. He didn't, he didn't say that. So he's whipping her. he got a pretty cool way they do that whip where he's like, you can tell where he's like hitting it just past her, but it looks like it's hitting her. It's pretty Yeah, he's hitting the wall like next to her, and it's not but really it, not really making any kind of contact whatsoever. It looks good. It looks good. And so yeah. he's, hitting her, he's hitting her so many times that it basically like just, you know, she I don't know if it kills her, it must kill her, but she's bleeding, you know, her back from all the whip marks. And so he gets, he turns around, he finds like this thing, like a container, like a chrome looking, I don't know, some silver, probably silver thing. I don't know. And he goes underneath and he like, it, it's dripping off her back inside this thing. So he, he's getting the blood he needs to finish this recipe. And, uh, He's looking, uh, what's it now? It's like... Uh, well, he's got everything laid out on, on the altar. He's got all the various body parts. He's been cooking. He, I think they even had a scene that might have been previous to this or just past this point. Uh, I forgot in the uh, timeline of things where he's like puts the, the leg that he took in, in the opening scene and puts it in the oven and they do a little time lapse. Yeah, that's pretty cool actually because he does, they do, yeah, he's cooking the, he's cooking the meat. And they do, yeah, they do a cool thing when he pulls it out. It looks pretty legit. Like, it looks like a kind of a burn-up flesh leg, you know? It looks yeah. It looks good. It looks like they, you know, it's like, yeah, this is this is, this is is a cool-looking effect. It looks like a real <laughs> leg, and, and it's cool. This is the point where the cops kind of finally, like, it's like, the note I have is, oh, the cops finally figure out who it is. They finally figure out that it's Fuad Ramsey's. But then, almost as an afterthought, uh, Detective uh, Pete, because uh, <laughs> he's dating Suzette. You know, they're they're an item. He's just like, oh, well, Ramsey's is catering the Fremont party. I guess we better hurry then. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> I, I the 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 total ineptitude of these cops is is I think probably why I I love this movie. It's just so blatantly bad. Yeah. Bad. It, it's it, good. It, bad though. Yes, it is. It is good. I mean, this movie is 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 is, is adorable. 
<laughs> that's, that's, the word yeah. that's the word I'm going to use. It's uh, disgustingly uh, adorable. Right, exactly. I'm going to use that word. I don't know why it works. But uh, it's funny because, well, they, they finally, they get to uh, his place. Now, he's not there now, but they, they get in and um, they, they start looking around and they start saying, hey, look, get a load of this, you know, and, and they, so it's, they're discovering all this shit. And that's when they find Trudy, who is now splayed out on this table and she's covered in blood. I think they find a half face that's that girl that was in the hospital. Which yeah, is Janet's face, effect. yeah. Yeah, pretty good effect because it's like this, you know, this face is in it. I think uh, they probably had somebody's real face coming up through a table or something, but it looks really good. It's like, wow. So they got all this stuff going on. Like, what is all this? You know, and they're, and, and, uh, and this is where they've, they're, uh, they, they, they find Trudy's, they, they, they basically, they, 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 they figured it out now. Like, Oh my God, he's the killer. And then they call and then, uh, they're trying to call and get a hold of Suzette. Like, right. And they can't, right. and, it, and it, they can't get through. Cause well, I guess they, they, well, they, the, they know something and, they don't show it, but I think we're supposed to be led to believe that Fuad cut the phone lines because somebody is trying to call their boyfriend. I forgot the character's name. One of the people at the party, one of the ladies there, is on the phone with her boyfriend or trying to call her boyfriend. And she's like, oh, the line just went dead, you know, and and then they just, you know, that's right. it. So we, yeah, so this is, so so now we're at the party and, uh, and uh, Fuad uh, has got the, the they, they've got basically uh mrs fremont is entertaining the guests and everybody's having a good time um and they come in and they kind of want to know where the food is and i guess he says, oh, it's, out, it's out in the garage you know i've got everything out there and he basically yeah, what he, he said it would be tainted to bring it in the house before they complete the last part of right. the ceremony right right exactly he's got it all set up and this is where he needs to separate suzette um, from which I thought this was the, the creepiest scene in the movie. Like the kill where he pulls out the poor girl's tongue is the most insane scene in this movie. But this is creepy because he's just getting very weird with Suzette, getting very touchy feely. And Suzette's alarm should be going off at this point. Let's face it, you know, like this guy is weird, but she is so just aloof to this, what's going on. Well, this is where he's doing this weird thing where he's doing the. Oh, would you just please an old man? And then, you know, and like he's just like he's trying to talk because she's like, What do you like? It's almost like she wants to say, What are you doing? Like, what do you want? You know, like, but she's just kind of like not really getting it. And so she's going along with it. And he, he kind of gets like mom's back out of the party and he goes, Ah, oh, just, you know, and so he gets her in there and basically they're in the kitchen and, you know, like the little counter that's a little bit lower that you know, could be like a just a yeah, little, kind of like almost like a breakfast nook of a table. Yeah. yeah. It's not part of the counter where you where you chop. It's the one where you might sit down with the kids and eat breakfast. You know, right, right. It's just, it's just like a lower counter, and that's what he's going to use as an altar. So what he does is he gets he convinces her to sit up on the counter and lay down, <laughs> which is weird. And so she's in there. She's in her dress. You know, got, got you know, and and he. So she's like, well, uh, and he's even got like a neck pillow that go behind her neck. Yeah. Fitting, like this, like fitted, shit. right, like this fitted neck pillow that you you know you'd have on a plane or something. She leans back, and then he's trying to get her to like, use the like to say this thing. I forget what exactly she says. Like, oh, you know, Ishtar, you know, blah blah blah, you know. And so she, but he, she has to lift her hands up, 
and like save this thing and then and then she goes, Oh, I don't know. And she keeps sitting up and he's like, No, no, no. And it's kind of comical. It's yeah, almost like like it's, it's almost like I love Lucy in a way. It's kinda like, you know, Lucy keeps right. sitting up. It's kinda like, you know, and like, no, no, you know, like <laughs> yeah, you know, sit back down. Like like a magician, like, come on, Mrs. Ricardo, you know, you have to lay down, you know. I can't and, remember uh, the words. She's got like one line that she's got to remember. Like, yeah, she just can't remember it. And it's just something like it's a chant, like Fua, oh Ishtar, oh, you know, blah blah blah. And so he keeps she he's she's fucking it up and she's not cooperating. She keeps sitting up. Finally, he gets her to shut her eyes and like just go along with it. And they show like they kind of do a camera angle pointing up at him. He picks up the machete and he's getting ready. He's gonna hack her head off. <laughs> Right, and then mom comes in and saves the day. Not, not so much saves the day; she does just interrupts things. She comes, yeah. She comes in like to see, you know, walks in, and and of course he's there with a the machete, mid, you know, like in the air, like getting ready to come down. And she screams. Uh, Suzette opens her eyes. She screams. They get up, and then of course, you know, he Fuad is like, "Oh fuck!" So he just takes the machete and he runs out the door. And they're they're screaming and go, oh my god, yeah, and hugging and crying and it's you know right, yeah, it's like he 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 got found out two seconds too too early and he's just like, well, fuck, I'm gonna make a run for it, right? So they or, go, or I'm gonna make a hobble for it. I'm gonna hobble the fuck out of this motherfucker. I'm hobbling. So he goes out and he's hobbling. Basically, he's running like to the like through a like across the lawn. He's heading. To like the beach, like the he's heading not really a beach, but you know the like like a part of the part of the suburban area that hasn't had the houses built yet. You know he's like he's running right. on this dirt, he's running kinda, on this dirt trying to get away. Yeah, just kind of an undeveloped kind of area. And so, the funny thing is, he's running away in the background as the cops pull up in their cop car. Right in the foreground, you can see him running, and they just totally miss him. You know. Yeah, I think that's like when he first started running your hair it was like this, you know, like an overdub. You know, like oh, yeah, oh, you know, so you know the cops are coming. Yeah. They pull yeah, up the driver. The cracker jack cops, man. Now Pete, now they got uniform guys with him. Pete all of a sudden notices that he's running, he points over there, and then the uniform guys go running after uh Fuad. And and uh, so they're they're running after him. He's limping as fast as he can. Yeah, this is the uh, point where I made the note of the laziest foot chase ever. And he's and he and you know he, like these guys are running full thing, and this guy's fucking hobbling along, but he manages to stay away from him. I don't know. They should have caught him like pretty quick, but it's funny. So anyway, he's yeah, hobbling. It it's hilarious. And he's looking around like, what the fuck do I do? So he comes up on. Um, he basically he. He comes through this lot, and there's a lo and behold, there's a uh, there's a trash truck, and yeah, I think that's like very slowly pulling away, even slower than he's hobbling. Right, <laughs> Which so is he, funny. He's, right, he's catching up to this trash truck, and he basically jumps in the back, you know, trying to get, you know, trying to get make a getaway. And then, unfortunately for him, the guys inside don't really know what's going on. The uh, and now Pete and the rest of the cops are there. They're chasing and they're and they're behind. They're behind the trash truck. The yeah, trash they're trying to yeah trying to get it to stop, but they don't. Right. They they're don't know any better. Compact blade things or whatever come down. The thing comes down on top of him. He screams and it basically crushes him. 
And then, and then, so they finally stopped the truck, and this big guy in the passenger seat, you know, hey, what's going on? He's got a big cigar in his mouth and like sunglasses. Looks like a yeah, big he looks muscle. like a bodybuilder, man. He yeah, was I was gonna say he looks like a muscle. Dude. You know, you'd see him in you know Beefcake magazine or whatever. This guy's real big, you know. <laughs> he's got you know big cigar, and he's like, what's going on? You know, they go back there. Oh my god, you know, and uh, you know, so that's it. And then they have they have this moment where again. This big long kind of little conversation with Pete and his partner, you know, they they kind of have this little, like a little thing to kind of wrap it up, you know, like you know, like like the rest of the story or whatever. I don't know. He's just going on. It's kind of funny. And then basically, and then he has his line at the end. He died a fitting death, just like the garbage he was. And, that was uh, a good that, line. That, it was a good line. That, that was good. And that's pretty much that's pretty much it. It <coughs> shows the yeah, back. I mean, there's there's only there's only one other shot which I thought was one of the most interesting shots and I wanted to discuss it for a second was they you know they they you know it fades and it says the end but there's a, a shot of the close up of the Ishtar statue with its eyes bleeding now I don't yeah, know if it was right. supposed yeah, yeah. to be blood dripping from its eyes or if it was like you know blood from uh, the victim from Trudy, you know, being massacred and splattered on it. But I always took it as, you know, Ishtar's eyes were bleeding because she got so close to being resurrected and it was just so close, but yet so far. My take was exactly that. To me, it was like she was crying the blood tears. Like she almost like, it's almost like, you know, this was a thing that hasn't happened in 5,000 years and it was almost going to happen. And now it's not going to happen. Nobody else is going to do this ceremony. You know, and so it was almost like it was almost like she was weeping for herself. You know what I mean? It was like, and of course, yeah. was, you know, blood coming out of her eyes. That's but we would get a, another attempt. We would get another attempt that with uh, Blood Feast two, the uh, thirty or forty years later. I think. Uh, oh my God! Well, this came out in sixty three, and Blood Feast two came out in two thousand two. So you're talking almost forty years later. So at least she didn't have to wait. 5,000 years for another failed attempt. Yeah, 5,000 years, not quite. But. Yeah, yeah. I just remember that. I remember Blood Feast 2, All You Can Eat. That was a great movie because right, Herschel right. had uh, been retired from filmmaking for a good 30 years. I think the, the Gore Gore Girls was his last movie before that, and that came out in 72 or 71. And, uh, you know, he had he came back with a Blood Feast 2, which I really enjoyed for a sequel that came out, you know, you know, nearly 40 years after the fact, it was a really good movie. And I, I love the guy who played uh, Fuad Ramsey's the third. He, like, how he's always like, yeah, I'm not like my great grandfather, you know, so I'm Fuad Ramsey's the third. Right. <laughs> good movie. Good movie though. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So but yeah, this, this movie was pretty notorious. If I remember correctly, it was, uh, the oldest movie or the, uh, uh, the, it that had a, uh, it was the oldest movie that was part of the uh, video nasty list. Uh, yes, I'm, correct. Remember correctly, yeah. Uh, there was also something on there that they said. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but they said it was one of the first movies that ever showed somebody being killed with and and their with their eyes open. I don't know. It's oh. like a little like a little nugget. Not no, the I first know that. one, but that was like, I guess that wasn't really done, but they, you know, but to have all these people being killed and their eyes are open, I guess that was pretty weird. I didn't really think about that. And I just not thought it was me either. 
but yeah, I saw that must have been some back then. Like their eyes are open, you know. So I, I don't know. <laughs> well, it was you know <laughs> some of the first gore and the first movie they have the death with the eyes open. I mean that there's a lot now, of first. They, I now, think they said they shot this movie in nine days. Was it? No, I, now I was reading it was four days. Oh, okay. I, I thought it was four. And they had a budget of $24,500, and it ended up making $4 million. Now, I don't, know, I don't know how long it took to make $4 man. I don't know when they cut it off, but, you know, it certainly made a lot of money, you know, for, you know, for a little, you know, hour and seven-minute movie. You yeah, know, it's a quick watch. Good. It's right. only 67 minutes long with credits. I mean, it's right. a very short movie, and it plays very quick. You, you know, sometimes, you know, short movies have very – little substance to them and i think that's why they're so you know again it goes without saying that that's why they're so short so they a short movie without substance seems longer to me but this movie has a lot going for uh the humor whether it was intentional or unintentional i love it uh i love the sequel for the same reason well you know what honestly i'd rather see a shorter movie that kind of gets to it than than somebody trying to make a movie longer that that they that just got a bunch a bunch a bunch of just talking and a bunch of mindless scenes just thrown in it just it makes a movie drag out you know sometimes to me the shorter movies you know 65 70 75 minutes it's like sometimes that's really all you need in a movie like this like it's got you know tell the story Give us the goods, but tell a story. I mean, you know, it's not just, you know, one kill scene after another. You know, and this had a pretty big story in it. And it's like, you know, it's like, you know, do a show. Like, I, I don't mind that. You know, so to me, oh, sometimes. Neither do I. There are two hours or hour 45 minutes, and it's got just tons of shit going on in between stuff that just, it's just filler. And it's like, it just makes a movie drag and it's boring. Yeah. It's a shorter movie, you know, something a little over an hour, but is really entertaining. I'd rather a quick ride than just some big, you know, boring thing where it's just, you know, talk scene, conversation scene after conversation scene, and then the next scene, another conversation. Now they're in the car talking, you know, for 10 minutes. It's like, uh, you know, it just drags the movie down. It's like, get get to it. You yeah, know? get with it. Get with it. Show, sh- tell the story. You know, cut out the fat. You know, you got to have those scenes, you know. Like at the cop station, and that you know, you got to have different stuff that set stuff up and move the story along. But you know, don't weigh us down with too much that uh, you know shit. You know, like show it's it, a give very us tight. Good. It's very tightly directed, you know, edited and very tightly written. Uh, Louise Down, uh, she was the uh, the uh, screenwriter for this, and she worked with Hersha Gordon Lewis on several other films. But I think it's a testament to to, to her writing of just keeping that very. No, keeping everything very trim and very neat. Right, right, absolutely. Well, that being said, I want to get into our uh, final thoughts and review uh, or uh, rating on a scale from one to ten. You know, you know the rules better than anybody. Guess go first. Well, my feeling on this movie, this is because this is really the first, and and being you know a movie that was done, you know, in the early '60s, the time that it was done, and the things that were being shown on TV. And in theaters that, you know, were pretty tame back then. And for somebody to be bold enough to come out and do something like this and, and just and, and shock people, really, really bring this on. 
to me, this 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 movie is that movie. Is this the movie that just stands out as is the pinnacle, the the gore splatter movie that started it all? Um, uh, and uh, certainly, there were tons of movies that started doing stuff like this. But you know, Herschel Gordon Lewis and that when they sat down and figured out they wanted to do something, they nailed it, and they nailed it with this movie. I love it. Uh, I love the blood. He's known for his blood, the way it looks. It's gorgeous, and even with the you know, the wooden acting and the, the funny, shitty delivery lines and stuff. It doesn't yeah. matter to me. I love, I just, I, when I watch this, this is the, this is, this is that movie that, that started it. And, and, and you can't, you gotta, I gotta give it nothing but love. And I, and I do love this movie. And I think he's just, a, he was an amazing man, had an amazing career. He's very, very intelligent. I, I wish I could have met him and, just sat there in a room with him and just listened to him talk, you know, cause I'll tell you what, I, it, he, he seems like a really interesting guy and he's very talented and very, very intelligent. And, uh, they probably had a lot of fun doing these movies. I'll tell you what, I, I know I would. And, uh, I, I'm just glad that he made them. And back then it's just, like I said, that must've been, I would love to be there. If you get, if you were in a time machine and sit there and look at the audience watching that movie, they must have shit themselves. And I, that's why I think about it. Like, man, this, this guy really went for it because it's hard to really do stuff like that anymore to really shock people. There's been so much stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen it all. And yeah, so but in 63, this was so fresh, you know, Yeah, there's, there's no, there's really like, what ground do we do now? How do you, you know, like people probably left that theater and they're probably still talking about it, you know? So, <laughs> you know, so I just, you know, I love the movie and I'm going to, I'm going to give it, you know, I'm going to give it a 10, you know, I'm going to give it a 10 because, it's that movie that was first, and it deserves it. Does it deserve 10 when you're grading movies? There's lots of stuff like, no, not at all. But movie as a whole, I'm giving it, I'm giving it all that. It was, you know, it was done cheap as hell when back when they had to film stuff with film and not digital. So they did it cheap as shit. They did it quick. The, 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 the effects were amazing. The blood is beautiful. Um, and the kills were amazing, and with all the faults, I, I, I don't care. Not on this movie. It gets a ten in my book. It's 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 that movie, and uh, and that's my that's my thing. It's it's a ten. Yeah, I I agree with you on several levels. You know, it's <clears throat> it's the granddaddy. It's the uh, granddaddy of all gore movies. It's the one that started it all. It's part of the reason why. Grindhouse Pizzeria is here. It is the epitome. Herschel Gordon Lewis's movies and his style, the directing and his kind of movies are what we're about. You know, gratuitous gore, violence, nudity, bad acting, bad choices. <laughs> but you, lo you love him for it. it it's, uh, um, I actually was lucky enough to have met Herschel Gordon Lewis in, um, it was 2003. I think it was down in Florida at a, at a convention called Scream Fest. I got to meet him and talk with him for a little bit. I got a little 8 by 10 signed. I only talked with him for a few minutes because there was quite a few people waiting in line to talk to him. But, yeah, very well-spoken, very uh, just very calming kind of voice, you know, very – and just seemed like a guy that was so super appreciative of his fans that people were – you know, remembering stuff that he had done 30, 40 years after the fact, because he had hadn't come back to directing since I think the year before that convention. I think that was probably part of why he was yeah. doing the convention circuit. You know, he was promoting Blood Feast too. But 
I love it for, you know, like I said, for all the good reasons that it has, for the exceptional gore, the beautiful blood, you know, the, the inventive kill scenes and everything. And even for the bad parts of it, you know, the, the kind of Ed Wood wooden style acting and, and the inept cops, it's all just a perfect marriage of good and bad. Uh, I'm coming in a little slightly lower than you. I'm con- coming in at an 8.5, but it's still a classic. It's still, you know... It's classic HGL, man, and you yep, know, yep. like the like the poster says, there's nothing so appalling in the annals of horror, right? And it, indeed, it, yeah, and maybe one day we'll do the we'll review the sequel, which I would love to do. It's it's a great movie as well, but yeah, eight and a half out of ten. Awesome, I agree with that score too. Like I said, I I, I get it. You know what I mean? I just. I think yeah. I'm just a, a I'm just a slightly <laughs> bit more critical of a viewer than you you might be. I think this is probably why I came in at an eight and a half. <laughs> I'm a big softie. Ask my wife. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, but uh, yeah, I agree though. But it's good. I agree with everything you said. It's I'm, I'm it's right know, on funny. The fact that we've right been on. doing this show since God, we've been doing it since May of last year. Since we're only a you know the first week into 2021, we've been doing this show since. Uh, May of uh, 2020, when the first show we did, you know, credi- the incredible uh, two-headed transplant. I've right, itch- right. been itching to do a Herschel Gordon-Lewis movie. So I'm glad that we finally tackled this one. Yes, sir. Well, that being said, I think we'll call it an end to tonight's festivities. I uh, want to thank you folks, for, as always, for listening to us here at Cinema Degeneration. Uh, and the folks here at Grindhouse Pizzeria, you know, we implore you to pull your up Pull up a chair and grab yourself a slice of Blood Feast. Well, we're just working with a homicidal maniac, that's all. All these bodies have been badly mutilated. Certain limbs and organs have been removed. This uh, Pat Tracy that we found yesterday, the lab says her heart was cut out. Yes, an authentic dinner, such as one might have attended in ancient Egypt. The actual feast of an ancient pharaoh. It has not been served for 5,000 years.